Wrestling fans, promoters, wrestlers, and anyone who enjoys pro wrestling now have something new to be excited about. The Wrestling Fans International Association, the WFIA, is back. WFIA is an association that exists to promote, grow, and support professional wrestling throughout the world. Membership is free. Your membership includes a free digital bi-monthly publication of the Wrestling Fan News newsletter, association updates, voting privileges, and much more. Please go to thewfia.org, that's T-H-E-W-F-I-A.org, and become a member today. see so you started in uh how did you get involved in the business again and uh training again so let's start start there again okay. uh, you know um i don't know if everybody's this but i guess you got to have a like for something before you really get interested in wanting to do it but right i was a, a fan of it for all my life as a small child we had three tv channels when i was growing up in the 60s and 70s um wrestling and roller derby was our favorite things to watch and uh, anyhow as time went on my oldest brother met a retired wrestler who retired here his name was bad boy hines you can google him he was one tough honorary samagon you know with the big two inch thick cauliflowered ears and he looked like a fire hydrant, you know, that's how he was built. But anyway, my brother conned him into coming over and uh, we had built a ring in my cousin's backyard with, uh, and it was a solid, <laughs> I mean, solid out of tube of 12s and plywood. And, you know, of course we had ropes and turnbuckles and a, a, a mat but it was a solid floor. It was like falling in the floor in your house. We talked him into coming over and his first few visits over there was nothing more just to come over and rough him up a little bit. And, you know, things like that. Wasn't going to smarten anybody up because I'm sure he had, he had no thought that this was ever going to go anywhere. Right. So, my brother and my cousin had been training for a few weeks. And uh, I, finally, I decided, I told my wife at the time, I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start wrestling. I was probably 180, 85 pounds at the time, but, you know, very athletic. I played sports all my life. And, uh, by the time that I got over there, I got one workout with him. And uh, he was in an automobile accident, had a heart attack at the wheel, and uh, was killed. But prior to him, you know, meeting meeting his demise, for lack of a better word, he had told us of a friend of his who was a deputy sheriff at the time in our hometown here in Milton. Uh, which is north of Pensacola. 
Uh, his name was Larry Pearson. So we finally made contact with him and asked him if he would come over and finish training us. Well, reluctantly, he came over. I'm sure he didn't expect it to go anywhere either. But once he found out how dedicated we were at working and learning and doing whatever we had to do to make it, because the whole time he was telling us, I got connections, I can make it happen. I got connections, I can make it happen. We didn't know if he did or didn't. We were just going on his word. So, I mean, for months and months and months, man, uh, we were in the gym working out. We were outside in the ring, whether it was hot, cold, wet, dry, it didn't matter. You know, we were just trying to, you know, learn what we were doing, get good at what we were doing. So finally, in somewhere around February of 83, my oldest brother, Greg, got the first opportunity because he was the first one that started it. He had been training longer, and he got his opportunity to go to uh, Ron and Robert Fuller, who owned the territory at the time. It would be Continental, um, right? Yes, Continental at that time. It, no, it was still Southeastern at that time. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was this was in 83. It was still Southeastern. Um. Anyway, Charlie Platt and Rick Stewart were doing the commentary. Uh, finally, our, 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 our trainer, Larry Pearson, made contact, got my brother an opportunity for, you know, going for, you know, talent enhancement is the better word today other than job boy, you know. Uh, got his opportunity, and uh, he wrestled the Mongolian Stomper, and I can't think of the guy's name. He was one of the original RPMs with Mike Davis, Tommy. Tommy Lane. Yes, Tommy Lane. Okay, yeah. they were doing a deal where they were uh, doing my, uh, Stomper and Stomper Jr. Okay, Tommy okay. was Stomper Jr. So my brother got to work a tag match, and and I thought this was it. I can't wait till my turn, you know what I mean? <laughs> so finally, a couple months later, I got my opportunity as a single. And my very first match at uh, um, WTVY studio in the time, we were still doing TV in the studios with Bill Ash. And I know you know Bill Ash. I do. They made all the boots and everything for all yep. the guys. Okay, yep. his dad. Well, yeah, that was my very first match. And um, once it was over with, you know, he sang my praise, you know, um, Anyway, uh, we bugged the piss out of them guys. Bob Armstrong was booking then. I don't give a damn where it's at. You need somebody, please call us. And man, we sat by the phone every damn week waiting on a phone call, you know. Can we go somewhere? Can we go somewhere? Well, finally, uh, they told Larry, who trained us, we can't keep beating these guys up, man. If we're ever going to do anything with them, you know, we can't just keep beating them up. They need to go get some experience. Well, where the hell are you going to go get experience if you don't know anything anyway? Right. You, you know what I mean? So we worked any little independent outlaw show within a couple hours where we lived here. And I got a phone call one day from, I don't know if you'll remember this guy, but if you had Southwest Championship Wrestling on, on cable back in the day on USA, Christopher Love. Yes. Yep. He was a manager. 
Um, he kind of did the Adrian thing, you know, dressed like that. But he was trying to start a, a new thing. He had found some investors in South Dakota. So he called me and asked me if I wanted to come up and be a part of it. Well, hell, I quit my job. He flew me up. I was up there for three or four months. And I met Bob, Bob, uh, Bob Sweetan. And Scott Casey, those were two big guys. He flew up from Southwest and uh, got to be really good friends with Scott. And a matter of fact, I used the name Casey. My first year in the business was Rick Casey. Okay, Scott Casey's cousin. Right. Okay, I was going to ask you about that. I had that in my in my questions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's where it came from. Uh so anyway, he and I got to be good friends, and he said, I can help you. I said, well, if you can, I sure appreciate it, man. You know, this is what I want to do. Um, a month or so rolled by, and I get a phone call one day, and uh, it was Jonathan Boyd who was doing the booking for Joe Blanchard in San Antonio. And we talked for a minute, and he said, well, I got a spot for you if you're available. I said, I'm available. When do I need to come? He said, well, blah, 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 whatever. And it was like the week before Christmas. So uh, I told my wife, I said, uh, I got to head out. You know, it's my opportunity right here to get a break. That was 1984, November of 84, maybe December, somewhere in that time frame. Right. And, uh, I went down. Jonathan Boyd was doing the book, and Eric Embry was there um, as one of the top heels, and his partner, um, uh, his name. Uh, uh, crap! I know uh, this. I know this. Um, we we always called him Pudgy, but I can't remember his name. Big blonde. They were the blondes. But oh, it was Eric um, uh, was it Dan Greer? Yes, that's Dan him, Greer. Danny Greer. Yep. Yep. That's him. Yes. Yes. They were there. So they teamed me up with a guy called, his name was Jerry Oski. Okay. Big guy. So they teamed us up and uh, we were there for a week or two. And anyway, they put the, put the belts on us. We beat Eric and Danny. They put the belts on us and hell, it wasn't three or four weeks. Jerry wanted bigger and better things, so he left and left me there as a single. And uh, I stayed there for another, I don't know, probably two or three months. Things were getting pretty bad then. Everybody had done left. All the top guys had done went to work for uh, Ted Turner, Crockett. So things were pretty rough. So I made a phone call to my trainer, Larry, and I (laughs) – I now, this is Larry, now, this is Larry Hamilton? No, Larry Pearson, who was okay. my trainer. Larry I Pearson, okay. considered him my trainer, my, uh, what do you call it, my yeah, your trainer. publicist, my manager, whatever. Gotcha, okay. So I said, I need to make a move somewhere. So I don't know if you remember this guy, but he was, his name is Norman Charles III. Yes, I remember that. Yep. Okay. Well, he lived here too. He retired here in Milton also, and he kind of came over a couple times while we were working out and uh, training. And you know, he told me 
first time I ever met him, he said, you'll never make a penny as a baby face. Really? That's what he said. I said, okay, cool. So anyway, um, I called Larry. I said, look, things are getting pretty rough here, man. Things are getting a little tight. He said, well, let me call Norman, see what Norman can do. And Norman called Bill Dundee. I know you know superstar Bill Dundee. Yep, yep. Big, big, big name in Memphis. He was booking for Bill Watts. They were needing some guys. Some guys had left, and they needed to fill some slots. Nothing, you know, on top, just underneath mid-card stuff. So uh, he called me up and said, hey, I got your starting date. You're going to start in um, El, El Dorado, Arkansas. On such and such night. So, okay, I turned my notice in. Buck Robley had just came in, took over the books from Jonathan Boyd in San Antonio. Told Buck, I'm, 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 you know, I'm hitting the road, man. I'm going on, moving on, doing some other things. So, anyway, I, uh, El Dorado, El Dorado, whatever you call that place. But anyway, uh, I left San Antonio, left my wife there with my daughter till I could go to Louisiana and get a place before I could just pack them up and move them. Uh, my very first night there, I worked with Dirty Dutch Mantel. And uh, when they brought me in, <laughs> little did I know, I thought I was getting brought in to, they were going to do something with me. You know what I mean? So Bill Dundee came to me and said, hey, have you ever, oh, do you know, uh, do you know what Dutch Dutch's finish is? I said, I don't have a clue. Well, well blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm thinking, golly, I'm going to do a job the very first night I'm here. I thought you guys were bringing me in to do something with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I'm still young and it's been, it hasn't been in the business quite a year yet. Right. And, uh, you know, they'd already put the belts on me and Jerry and uh, in, in, in San Antonio. And then I had the, uh, the, single strap for a brief period of time. So I thought they were going to do something with me. I don't, hell, I, you know, not knowing what I should have known, I guess. I figured they, hell, we're using this guy here. We're going to bring him in and do something with him here and him do a job here. But anyway, long story short, it was all good. I was there probably, shit, a month, six weeks. Al Perez came in. I got to be real good friends with Jake Roberts. And, you know, Jake was kind of in the office at the time because Grizzly was there, you know, his dad, Grizz Smith. He was uh, Bill's right-hand man. So um, Jake had the idea of putting me and Al together, and they called us town and country. You know, Alan, uh, Al was town and I was country. You know what I mean? So they worked the program with the uh, – us and DiBiase and Steve Williams. But DiBiase was out at the time. So they brought Sweet Tan in to fill his void when they dropped the straps to us. And uh, anyhow, another long story short there, I worked there for several months while I was doing a thing with uh, Kamala Duggan. And uh, Ray Candy was there, but I think he was doing the Zambui Express thing at the time. 
And uh, Duggan and I were working against them, and they wanted me to do the freaking, you know, the job and, you know, the blade and the whole deal. And uh, we were in Baton Rouge. And uh, we did our deal. And uh, somehow during the match, man, I got a severe, massive laceration between my ring finger and my middle finger. I mean, it was a freaking gash, gape, and blood was freaking going everywhere. And I couldn't figure out what in the hell. I knew I had gotten a little color, but, you know, couldn't figure out what the hell. So we get to the back, and we're standing in the back, man, and I'm wiping my face off. and still hadn't realized at the time that between these two fingers, man, I had about a three-inch gash. You know, and it was freaking pumping. Anyway, I told Grizz, Grizz, the hell? He said, well, go to the hospital and get sewed up and send the bill to Bill. So, uh, you know, Mid-South Promotions or whatever. I don't know what the hell it was. Okay. So I grab my shit and I go to the emergency room. And I go get fixed up and taken care of and told him send the bill to Bill Watts, Mid-South Promotions, or whatever the name was at the time. Well, shit, we go get our damn paycheck that following Tuesday. He took the damn money out of my check. Wow. We're getting sewed up. Yeah, that pissed me off. Man. I said, you know what? Shit on this, Bill Watts. Tell you what, I'm done. You can go find you somebody else. I was mad at some bitch, and I drove from Shreveport back to Baton Rouge. It's long before cell phones or anything, you know? Yeah, right. I guess that answers my next question about Bill Watts. <laughs> what was it yeah. like work with working with Bill? Bill was a, he was a, he was a hard ass man. He loved to see confrontation. He really did with the guys. Right. Seriously. He always liked to stoke shit, you know, get each other to try each other and shit like that. And um, one night we were doing a, a show in New Orleans or something. And uh, I was standing outside, just out the back door, catching a breather and, you know, having a dip, you know. And he walked out there, and we got to talking a little bit. And, uh, this freaking Mark came up. Just a obnoxious, you know, kind of a guy. So I looked at him, and he looked at me, and... He said, it's okay. Go ahead. You know what I mean? So I handled business and whatever. So uh, from that point on, I didn't have any real issues with him other than just being a, a freaking uh, an asshole. You know what I mean? When, when right. you charge me for doing something for you, you know what I mean? Like getting hurt. Like you get hurt on the job. It wasn't my choice. Right. You know what I mean? I didn't ask to do that. It just happened. It was an accident, you know? And uh, uh, anyway, it pissed me off. He took it out of my damn check. So I freaking drove my ass from Shreveport to freaking Baton Rouge. Matter than hell, all the way there, man. Got to freaking Baton Rouge, told my wife, I said, pack your shit. We're out of here tomorrow. I'm done with this shit. You know what I mean? The hell with wrestling. I'm going to go back home and get my job back. It is what it is. I hadn't been home two hours. The phone rang. 
it was Bill Dundee. Bill had already left and went back to Memphis. And he said, it. hey, brother, <laughs> I got a spot for you if you want it. I said, hell no, I don't want no damn spot. I'm done with this damn wrestling shit. And I go out there and get put my damn life on the line and get my ass hurt. People want to charge me for it. I ain't just talking the bullshit, you know? Yeah. He said, no, man, a real good spot. You and Dutch. I got some guys coming in, which at the time was uh, the Fantastics. Bobby Fulton, Tommy Rogers was the big tag team. Yeah. Uh, I think Bill and I uh, can't remember who was his partner. It might have been Buddy Landale at the time. I'm not sure. But he was working with the Fantastics. I had a singles deal with Dutch. And uh, we had a couple other people there. Tracy Smothers was there just learning, getting really started in the business. But Pat Rose was there. I don't remember if you know Pat Rose. but I remember um, him. Yep. I remember his later Law- days in uh, WCW. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Of course, Lawler was there. Him and Idol doing their thing and whatever. But. I told Bill then, you know, I said, look, I tell you what, I'm going to go home for a couple weeks, see where my mind gets. He said, well, I got, I got you a spot. I need you to be here. It was like a week before Thanksgiving in 85. He said, I got a spot for you. I want you to work with Dutch, work a program for the, you know, the singles title and whatever, blah, 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 just talking shit. So I got home, and after a couple of days, you know, I cooled down, told my wife. So I think I might give it a shot, you know, see how this goes. Dude, I thought I was making good money for Bill Watts, and I was, because it was like double the amount that I was making working for Blanchard because things were so tough then, and the territory was so freaking long, man. It was like hundreds of miles a day. Right. I mean – it was 350 one way from San Antonio to Odessa there and back in one night. Jeez. You know? And then anyway, going all the way to the southern border and all that, it was just a long territory. Now, Mid-South was long too, you know, making those Baton Rouge to Tulsa and Oklahoma City and Little Rock and those places. Those are pretty good drives, but we stayed over and we could afford to stay over. You know what I mean? Right. Then, but with Blanchard, you really couldn't. So, anyway, <clears throat> Jackson, Tennessee, I think, was the very first night I worked for Jerry Jarrett. It was a week before Thanksgiving of 85. And uh, not even sure who. I think I was in a tag match with Jerry against a couple other people. And, uh, anyway, uh, this is where the lights clicked on for me, man, how to make money. Um, I was there for a week, of course, before I get my first check. Well, I get a check, and then I get an envelope. Some it's pretty thick. I could tell there was money in it. So what is this? This is for your souvenir sales. I said, I didn't sell no souvenirs. No, but we did. They sold them for me. They printed them. They sold them. Brought me a damn envelope full of money. I said, dude, really? You know, I made more in a week's time selling. And all we saw was pictures at the time. 
Okay. Right. That, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot of merchandise back in that day. No, and not in these little territories. You know, most right. of the time the 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 promoter had his little flyer, you know, his little yeah. bulletin thing with a couple of pictures in it. Yep. Yes, program and a few paragraphs about such and such and such. And and Lawler had, I mean, Jerry Jarrett had that too. But man, I said, son of a gun. My check was like 800 and something. This is back in the early 80s. 800 and something. And I had 400 and something dollars in cash. Damn, that's pretty freaking cool right there. Man. And this is in Memphis, which was known for yes. uh, not necessarily uh, good payoffs, really. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it caught on fire right there, you know. Um, matter right. of fact, um, matter of fact, Robert and Ricky had left to go to work for uh, 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 Crockett. Yep. And they came back in for a few shots. Um, uh, Stan and Steve, you know, the fabs. Yep. They had left. Yep. They came back for a few shots, and things were pretty freaking hot right there for several months. And anyway, um, I stayed there for four or five months, worked the program with Dutch. Um, we had this one deal in Memphis where it had worked into a tag where um, – Dundee and Dutch and me. I don't remember if it was Billy Joe Travis or who was going to be my partner. Um, we were going to work a big deal in Memphis. Mm -hmm. So we were in the dressing room going over what's going to happen. Well, they were going to attack us early coming to the ring. As we came out of the dressing room, they were going to throw some shit on us and whatever. So, uh, Bill said, uh, yeah, I'm going to use alcohol and this. I said, no, 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 no. You don't need to use anything. All you're trying to do is distract us. Right. You know, you don't really need to use any chemicals or freaking blind us or something. Well, that son of a bitch had a cup full of rubbing alcohol. And the minute it hit me before I could get to the ring, I was totally blind. And the pain was so freaking excruciating. I got in the ring. I said, I don't know what you're going to do. I said, but get this shit over with. I got to get out of here. I got to go to the freaking hospital. I can't see shit. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Anyhow, I thought he had put my eyes out for good. And uh, we got through with that. I got through that. It took me two weeks before I could ever even see again. And, uh, I finished up the program with Dutch, so I knew what was coming next. Right. You know what I mean? In my mind, I knew what was coming next. Ain't but one other person to go, you know what I mean? So it's it's either him turn heel or me turn heel, and I was going to have to work with Lawler. You know what I mean? Right. So, no, I didn't. You know, I, I made a phone call back to my, you know, my man, Larry, he said, well, look, they're, they're fixing to have a spot open back home. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, shit, tell him I'm, 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 I'm wanting to come back home. This was in March of 1986. Now, mind you, I didn't start until 84. So I've only been in business a couple of years. And, uh, Adrian street 
had not long been there. He was working a program with uh, Norvell Austin. And I think they were struggling a little bit to really get, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they brought me in to get Adrian over is what it was really for. I know it's what it is. They didn't tell me that, but I'm not stupid. Right, right. You know, I'd only been in the business a couple of years. And Idle, Idle had just left. They didn't have any single baby face because Bullet was working with his son, Scott, at the time. They were doing a tag team deal. Um, anyhow, long story short there, I came back in March of 86, started a program with Adrian, and it rocked on for months, a lot longer than the normal program would go normally the program goes six to eight weeks and you know you pretty much you know burn out and, and but it, it, it just clicks so freaking good so we were in Birmingham one night and uh, Ron Fuller's wife Sherry who always showed up to pay out you know give everybody their money, checks, cash, whatever they were given that. Sometimes we get cash, a lot of time we get checks, you know. Right. So she showed up and that's what we did TV at. By this time we were Continental. Okay. Right. 85, yeah. somewhere mid-85, they went to Continental. I was gone when they did the transition. But when I came back, they were doing it at the Boutwell Auditorium doing TV and whatever. But So anyway, uh, she said, I need to see you. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, damn, you know, I'm going to get my notice already. I was just enjoying being home. What but two other places to go? That was right. work for Crockett. Well, three. You work for Crockett, you work for Vance, or you go to Puerto Rico, work for Carlos. So she called me in the office. She said, uh, well, not in the office, but in a private room. Right. She said, how's things going? I said, what do you mean? She said, how's things going? Said, well, things are going pretty good. You know, I didn't know what to say because I didn't want to put my foot in my mouth, you know what I mean, get run off or something. And uh, I said, well, now that you mentioned it, I, I thought a couple of my payoffs might have been a little bit slack. She said, really? I said, yeah. And I know it's a bad time of the year. It's freaking February, which is January, February is really historically, you know, after Christmas, people recuperate and get ready for tax season, whatever it was. Right. A little slack. She said, okay. That was all she said. Got my check. That was it. Hell, a week later, Ron Fuller showed up. He's the big boss. He said, Wendell, I need to see you when you get a minute. I thought, oh, shit, I done pissed her off. You know what I mean? Now, she done went back and told him that I ain't happy and probably going to get my notice. So, uh, and this is one of the biggest uh, compliments I've ever gotten. So, he called me in the office and he said, uh, how's things going? I said, things are going good, Ron. I, I'm, I, I'm okay. He said, no, honestly, truthfully, how's things going? Are you happy? I said, well, I love being at home. It's easy territory, and I'm at home. 
I said, but I did tell Sherry Joe that, uh, you know, a couple of payoffs I thought were a little, you know, a little slack based on me. And I'm not a genius, mathematical genius, but, and I said, I get it. I know I make, <laughs> dude, I, I'll tell you that in a minute, but, um, he said, okay. I said, he, he said, I'll tell you what. And I'm going to be honest with you. He said, you're my money man. You are my money man. And I need you to be happy. I need you to be focused. So we can do one of two things. I'll be diligent and really pay attention to the payoffs. Because he weren't booking at the time. He was, you know, doing his time at home. I think Robert was booking at the time. Right. He said, uh, I'll do my due diligence to watch the payoffs or I'll put you on a guarantee. Whatever you want to do. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I only been been two years now. You know what I mean? I started there as a jobber. So that's how the connection, that's what I was telling you earlier when we first started talking, how it just clicked with the fans for whatever reason, dude. And I don't know what it was. Right. Really. Right. I mean, you know, I am who I am today as I was 35 years ago. I'm the same freaking guy. I think the same. I act the same. I talk the same. It was just some kind of, I don't know, charisma of some sort. Right. That wasn't a put on because I had to do it night after night after night after night. So, Anyway, we settled our agreement there in the locker room, and um, I couldn't I couldn't say too much because I was in a tight spot. And, and and if you understand what I'm saying, dude, people weren't taking advantage of it until I did it. Right when I started, when I started all of the the souvenir pictures, uh, stuff, dude, it was unfreaking real, the amount of money that was there for the taking, and nobody would do it or was doing it till I did it. I was the first one. I brought me a table. I would show up to the matches an hour early, and I would have eight or ten freaking different photos from three by five to five by seven to eight by tens. I'd have a few t-shirts and keychains and just a little memorabilia shit like that. Dude, the money was freaking unreal. I could go to Knoxville, Tennessee, which is one of our biggest uh, venues, Knoxville, Birmingham, Montgomery. Um, Birmingham, I would average probably – Seven fifty a night, mm-hmm. just in souvenirs. Montgomery five six seven. Knoxville, anywhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred every two weeks cash money. Wow, you know yeah. it was unreal, dude. That's it crazy. was freaking. It was freaking unreal. How nobody caught on to it, and then once I started doing it, then Danny Davis started doing it, and then everybody else followed suit. You know, um, but I couldn't say too much because I was making so much more cash money than a lot of the other guys and the right. heels, especially. 
You know what? When they turned me heel for that brief little period of time, dude, it sucked. You hear me? It was only about a month. But I said, guys, y'all got to y'all got to take care of me. I'm giving up thousands of freaking dollars in souvenir sales. You're gonna turn me heel. I don't mind doing it, but yeah, but it didn't get over. Back then, the the the, the fans weren't buying the merch of everybody or the heels at no. all. Today, it's completely different. It, exactly, and there was um, there was a couple heels that tried it, and they might yeah. make forty, fifty bucks or something, but yeah. You know, because Tom was pretty old. Tom Pritchard is a heel, you know. Yeah. He might sell 40 or $50 worth. Tony Anthony, Dirty White Boy, same thing, $40, $50 worth. But the majority of them didn't even fool with it. But the money was freaking unreal for the baby faces if you were over any at all. But, uh, you know, like I say, I couldn't say a lot and demand a lot because I was making, you know what I mean? Freaking, freaking ass loads of freaking cash money. Yeah, yeah. You know, just selling souvenirs. Of course, I was having to buy everything. I was having to get there. I was having to, you know, be there an hour early and in the whole deal. But shit, man, it was unreal. Couldn't believe it. The guys, nobody jumped on that before I got there. And I got the idea when I was in Memphis. And I didn't even start it there. Somebody else did and gave me the idea. So what was it like working with uh, the Dirty White Boy over the Alabama title? Dude, he was so freaking easy. It was fun. You know, I'll tell you what. We had such a, you know, like I said, we probably never carried more than 12 guys at one time on the crew. Right. But we had such a good camaraderie and we watched each other every night because there was nothing else to do while you're waiting, you know, for your ride to go home, you know, because everybody they rode together and shit like that, shared rides and stuff. And if you weren't on till last, surely you were gonna come watch some matches, not just sit in the dressing room and wait for freaking two hours. So you know, we never had to say a word. All we had to know was, okay, whoever was booking, Robert, Ron, or Bob Armstrong. Those were the only three bookers that booked the territory while I was there. Okay, what do you want us to do for a finish? Depending on where we were. You know, we are on a spot show. You know, the baby face is going over. So, okay, we'd work out a little freaking deal. And we never beat them, beat them. We'd slip over with a schoolboy or small package or, you know, some bullshit, right. you know. Um, but because we trusted each other so much, man, you never had to worry about anything. You could just go be yourself, freaking have fun and be careful and not hurt each other and, you know, excite the people, give them the money's worth. It ain't like it is today, man. You know, those guys believe that shit. Right. And they take some high-risk freaking moves, which, in my opinion, don't mean shit. Right. Because it's not realistic. You know what I mean? That's that's definitely true. You know, uh, uh, do you still watch today besides at all? Very rarely. 
very, very rarely. I might yeah. flick through and catch a couple minutes of it or something, but yeah. because and I still get phone calls to make independent shows and things like that. But when right. you go to these shows, these guys will spend 30 minutes in the dressing room going over every single move they're going to make. Right. Okay. Yep. It take them 30 minutes to go over it, but it won't take three minutes in the ring. And now they're, they're done. Now, what do I do? Yep. The way that I was trained was and this came from bad boy hines it came from norman charles came from bill ash came from everybody that I ever talked to they the fans will tell you what they want if you'll listen okay it's a story you start it you build it you get them to the climax you finish it and you're done you know, these guys that get these people up, 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 and then they kill them off, and now it's it's a dead-ass freaking finish, you know? Or after three minutes of flip-flop, 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 15 freaking false finishes, and everybody's kicking out of them. You got guys weighing 180 pounds kicking out of freaking pile drivers and DDTs and shit where it was killing us back in the day. We didn't move. They stretchered us out, you know? Now these young kids are kicking out of them. One of the things I, I say about comparing the businesses, and, and it's like less is more. And that's what, uh, you know, it's it, it these is. Guys, it is. And these guys have got yeah, to go that's crazy. Way, that's the way we were trained, man, is you, you listen to them. They'll tell you what they want. I'll tell you what. I mean, I'll make a perfect example. Nick Bockwinkle. And I know you know Nick Bockwinkle. Yes, sir. One of the greatest world champions ever. He was Vern's right-hand man, the AWA champion, and a straight-up badass, okay, in his day. You know, he could handle himself. Um, Back in my height, back in my heyday, this was 80, 88, somewhere in that time frame, 87, 88. Um, they were going to bring in the AWA world champion because we had started working with AWA instead of with Crockett because Crockett didn't want to, you know, share flair very much. They had their thing going. At the time, Kurt Henning was the champion. So it was booked for Henning and I. We had a tournament to see who was going to wrestle the AWA world champion. Of course, I won it, and it was going to be in Knoxville. Well, the week before, they did a deal where Bockwinkle took it back from Kurt. So I had to work with Bockwinkle. No, I'm sorry. Kurt took it from Bockwinkle is who it was, and I was going to wrestle Bockwinkle for the title, but he dropped it to Kurt the week before. So anyway, long story short, uh, uh, Bockwinkle showed up, and uh, I went in the dressing room. Him being the senior and the more veteran guy, you know, I went in and introduced myself and, you know, asked him what would he like to do and is there anything special I need to know about. And he looked at me and said, kid, he said, we'll just play it all by ear. I said, okay, sounds good to me. Of course, he was going to put me over, you know what I mean? <laughs> but we were going to call it all in the ring. Whatever happened, happened. But he was there you know, to keep me, you know, dude, 40, 
five minutes. You know what we did? I worked a hammer lock on him for 45 freaking minutes. We may have done three high spots out of that hammer lock. And, dude, we brought the house down. Yeah, and I'm sure Never the fans went crazy. Years. Yeah, Exactly. When it was time, he finally got his little bit of heat. And when I got the one, two, three, the freaking place just freaking erupted. You know what I mean? But if people don't understand that now. And everybody wants to one-up the next guy, one-up the next guy, one-up the next guy, you know? Um, sometimes less is more, sometimes it's not. But if you're skilled and crafted in your craft and you understand what you're trying to do and your business – and not personal. And I think that's what helped me a lot. It was never a personal thing for me. It was always business right. first. Okay. This is what we need to do. These people paid money. I don't care if there's 20 people in the audience or if there's 10,000. I'm going to work my ass off just like I would. You know what I mean? Yes. So anyway, it helped me in the long run, I think. But that's the way I was brought up, learning and taught to do and uh i uh like i told you way early in the show norman charles told me that i'd never make a penny as a baby face baby face is all i ever did my whole career until i went to puerto rico to work for carlos yes uh frank lancaster very dear friend of mine in tampa the thumper the thumper. Why don't you get him and get him on your show, man? He don't get many invites like that. I have no idea how to find him. I've searched uh, social media. I will media. send you. I will okay. send you. Okay, his number. Okay, and you can tell him I gave it to him because this would thrill him to freaking death. You I've, know what I mean? I was a huge fan of his as a kid. I remember him a world class and and yes, and, and, yeah, uh, he was everywhere. with Eric. Yeah. And teamed up with Eric and some yep. other things, but. When yeah. we get off of here, I will send you Thumper's contact info and tell him that I give it to you. And you, dude, this would blow his freaking mind. Yeah, I completely appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I befriended Frankie in 84. He had just came into work for Tully Blanchard, or Joe Blanchard, not Tully, but Joe. Yeah, yeah. And they were going to put the belts on him. Frankie had just been a job guy in Tampa, okay? <laughs> And he was just all beside himself. He was going to be a champion, get a belt. I said, Frankie, this place is dead. Let's go. You know, we become friends the first week. It was just kind of instant. Right. I said, I can get you a job working for Watts, making twice the money. He said, I don't know, man. They want to keep me here and put the belt on me. I said, okay, but you can't eat that son, bitch. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what I mean? Seriously. He said, okay, okay. So I finally, after... Uh, and, you know, I had gotten my opportunity. And I made a, a phone call and said, hey, can you add this other guy? And they took him, too. So we both left and went to Louisiana. Anyway, long story short, uh, wind on through years after I came back home and worked here. Um, there was only a couple places left to go. It was either work for Ted Turner, work for Vince, or go to work for Carlos. So um, I had uh, gotten in an altercation 
working for uh, an independent outfit that kept bugging the piss out of me to come work, come work North Alabama. Okay. Which is, you know, it's hardcore freaking redneck hardcore shit. So finally I agreed. I said, if you can afford this amount of money, I'll come up there, but give me somebody that I can have a decent match with. Don't give me a freaking, you know, brand new trainee or some bullshit. Okay. Let me earn my money, but give me somebody I can work with. Hey, got you covered, got you covered, got you covered. So I get there that night, this little show and this place is freaking wall to freaking wall. I mean, they're hanging off the freaking rafters. Of course, there's no air condition. It's hotter than a son of a bitch in there. And we're sitting in the dressing room and, uh, this kid comes up to me and he's got this white and black shirt on. He's the referee. Okay. Introduce whatever. He said, uh, I got your match tonight. I said, okay. He said, do you have the finish? I said, I ain't heard a word yet. Why? He said, well, they're going to do so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, oh, hell, whoa, 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 back up, back up, back up, back up. Hell no, they're not going to do it. Okay, this is this big green guy. He's probably 350 doing the road warrior. He didn't have the mask on, but they all painted up and the yeah. leathers and just big shit. He's going to do this this, this, and this slammy is going to come off the top rope. I said, no, 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 hell no, he ain't. I said, let me tell you, I'm thinking this guy's ribbing with me, okay? I said, I'll tell you what, you take the word back over there and say it just like this. Just open your ears and listen, okay? And I will give you the bulldog, and one, two, three, and we're going home. Of course, that was my finish, you know? So the kid left. I didn't think no more about it. He came back over there and he said, uh, no, they're going to, I said, no, there are not freaking going to do that. Okay. I'm telling you. And I looked that kid in the face and I said, I'm telling you like this. I said, when I put his ass on the map, you better count one, two, three. That's all I'm telling you. Okay. There ain't going to be no bullshit, nothing off the top. None, I don't even know these guys. You know, I'm not going to lay there and trust them. You know what I'm saying? Right. So anyway, uh, it was a tag match kind of a deal, not even a singles. So I had this little kid with me, and it was this big guy and another, I don't know, he wasn't quite as big, but they were doing the road warrior bullshit. So I told this kid going out, I said, I'm going to start the match because if there's any bullshit going on, we're going to get it over with early before I get blowed up or they catch me from behind or whatever. If this is a setup, you know what I mean? I won't know about it. Right. This is the first time I'd ever worked for this outfit. And I hadn't gotten my money yet was another thing. And I always said, I want my money before I get in the ring. But the old man promised me, I'll get you your money. Okay. I took his word for it. So anyway, me and the kid, we're heading out to the ring. We get in the ring and these guys in there doing their prancing around and strutting and trying to get heat, and whatever. But I told the kid, I said, okay, you get out. I'm going to start. I said, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen quick. 
So we get in and I lock up with this big guy right out the gate. He just is freaking easy and loose. And we do a couple little deals. I tag this kid in. He comes in. They start beating the dog shit out of him. So I thought, okay, shit. So he tagged me in. I get back in. Man, things are so smooth, so freaking easy, and just blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, this has got to be a freaking rip. And for some reason, I looked over towards the dressing room area, and every single worker there that night was standing outside the dressing room, lined up on the walls watching. I told myself then, I said, this is a freaking setup, Okay. This is a freaking setup. These guys are freaking pissed because I'm getting big payoff. You know what I mean? And they working for whatever, peanuts, or working for free. I said, okay. So I let the kid get back in there, and they start beating the dog shit out of him, man. They take him outside, and they're double-teaming him. I'm getting buried as his partner, so I got to get down and go around the ring and do something. I can't just stand there and watch it. You know, I'm getting buried. So I go over there and I grab that big fucker and I pull him off to the side. And uh, he kind of pins me up against the ring apron. And he said, uh, yeah, we don't appreciate like guys like you coming in here, taking all our money, blah, 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 blah. You know, just shooting. I said, let me tell you something, you little fat son of a bitch. I said, I got more shower time than you got ring time. I said, if you would get your ass in any kind of shape and learn the business and, and learn what the freaking hell you're doing, you might be able to make some of this good money one day. Anyway, a couple other words were exchanged. And I said, I tell you what I'm fixing to do. <coughs> I'm fixing to turn around. I'm going to walk back to that dressing room and I'm going to grab my big wad of cash. I'm going to put it in my bag and I'm going to drive home and forget this place even exists. I turned around, dude, and he jumped on my back. He tried to take me down. I slid out from underneath him. And uh, first thing I could grab was a metal folding chair. And I hit that son of a bitch as hard as I ever hit a person in my freaking life. And all he did was kind of buckled and went to a knee. Well, when he went to a freaking knee, back in the day, I had hair, big long mullet. He grabbed two handfuls of hair, tried to pull me to the floor with him. So I hit him with a couple knees in the face and finally got his hands out of my hair. And I went to freaking smoke him and he turned his head and I hit him in the back of the head. And it felt like everything in my hand went up into my neck. I hit him that hard. And Pat Rose happened to be there that night. He was sitting right there at ringside and he slid the bell to me, you know, the ding, ding bell. Yep. And I crowned that son bitch with it. By that time, the whole entire freaking building came down because all the guys hit the ring. Okay. Cause they knew the ship was on all the guys hit the ring. All the fans hit the freaking ring and it was a freaking free for all. So I finally found the open door to the side over there and worked my way over there trying to watch who was behind me and whatever. And anyway, I got to the outside. And my my driver at the time, I had a guy that he handled all my business, all my souvenirs. He drove. And he did everything for me for 10%. 
I said, take your ass in the dressing room and get my bag, get my money, and let's get the hell out of here. I got to go to the hospital now. So I did. Finally got it and went to the hospital and had to see an orthopedic and all that shit to fix this right arm. But I said all that to say this. At that point, um, I was uh, in between if I was going to freaking – stay in the business or get out. You know what I mean? So I get a call from Ronnie West. He had done, went to work for uh, Ted Turner. Okay. Okay. Ted had bought it by then. Is that WCW. who brought you in? Is that who brought you into WCW? It was Ronnie West. Yep. He got me the opportunity. Yes. Through Ole was booking, but. Okay. Ronnie yep. called me and said, look, dude, I said, uh, I, I tell you, man, I'm nursing a bad arm and a hand right now. But, you know, I'll do what I can do. He said, come on, I got you a spot. So uh, they flew me, I think my first shot that night I worked with Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, what was that like? I have that here in my in my notes. Dude, it was, you know, I, I didn't know him that long and that well because I weren't there that long because I got hurt real bad. But, um. Kevin Sullivan was our agent and we were working a town that was within the continental area. Okay. So to speak where I was known. So when he came to the dressing room, he said, you're going to work with Bam Bam. You know him? I said, no, sir. I'd never met him, but he said, well, look, you're going to go over tonight. You guys figure something out. You know, I'm thinking, okay, cool. So I went over and introduced myself to him. Man, what a super nice freaking guy. Man. And uh, he said, what do you want to do? I said, dude, I mean, it's up to you. You're doing the job. You tell me. So anyway, we figured out a finish. And um, dude, he was so freaking easy, but a big guy and could move. You know, he could move. And we had a hell of a match that freaking night. And uh, I don't remember. Remember it was it was somewhere here close. I say here close because I'm here, but within our viewing area that we knew, you know. Right. And then the next night was we were gonna fly up to where he was, you know what I mean, where he had his biggest exposure. So I would do the job for him. So I worked with him a couple nights, and um, we worked the loop. And we came back around to TV in Atlanta. And they had me in a tag match with some young kid. He was trying to do the Indian gimmick. It was kind it was, of like Jay Youngblood. But yeah, it was um, Alan Iron Eagle. I have Yes, here. that's he, him. He yeah, has you wrestled the, uh, the State Patrol is what you State wrestled. Patrol, exactly. Yep. Yep. Well, sometime during that match, I've, I've watched that match, but I didn't see the actual spot. But one of them, they make a tag while I'm in there. One of them comes over the top rope, and he clips my right leg from the side and folds it over, kind of like the old Joe Theismann break. Right. You know what I mean? But it yep. wasn't a compound fracture. It was just in the knee joint. And uh, it might have been Pee Wee Anderson was the referee or something. I don't remember. I said, dude, this is it. I'm done. I'm hurt. You know, get this son of a bitch over with. And this was on TV, 
So we ended it. They carried me out and uh, took me straight to the hospital. And uh, I had to see either the Atlanta Hawks or the the uh, the Falcons team doctor, whoever that orthopedic guy was there in Atlanta. He said, um, got some bad news for you. I said, what is that? Well, we need to uh, do reconstructive surgery based on this, 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 and this. So well, how long would that put me out? He said, it depends on you, really, but usually six, eight, nine months. He said, I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Uh, what are my odds if I don't? He said, slim none. I said, you know the big metal brace that everybody wear? I didn't even know what they were called. Yeah. You know the big metal brace that everybody wears? Have you got one of those? He said, sure. I said, give me one of those and let me go. Dude, my leg was as big as a basketball. Jeez. We had to fly out the next morning. I was rooming with Dutch Mantel that night, I believe. Didn't sleep a freaking wink. I get to the matches the next night, and that son of a bitch is just freaking throbbing and pounding. Kevin Sullivan comes to the back. I said, dude, I don't know if I can do it. He said, look, just get to the ring, and I'll take care of you from there. So for the whole the whole northern loop up around Philadelphia and Cincinnati and, you know, all them places up that way, coming back down to Atlanta, I worked with that blowed-out freaking knee. And we get back to TV in Atlanta. And Ole wanted me to do uh, a big off the top rope into the front row deal with the big guy they had at the time, the giant. Eligante. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know what? And Luger, it was Luger, Steiner. Elegante and whatever. It was going to be a big six or eight man freaking deal, but they wanted right, me to right. do the big deal out there. I said, look, any other time I don't have profit. I said, but I can barely get from the dressing room to the freaking ring. He said, well, what's wrong? I said, you don't know. He said, no, I don't know what's wrong. I said, well, I freaking blew my leg out on the last TV here. He said, okay. So I tell you what, kid, why don't you go home and get well and then call me back? So that was the whole extent of my WCW career. Anyhow, it took me, I don't know, eight or nine months to get my. Yeah, I'm only showing like, uh, I'm only showing like two months that you were there. Yeah, it it was uh, very short. Yeah. Yeah, it was very short. Um, But I blew the knee out and then we came back to that second TV. I said, I can work, but I can't do that. Right. Because I had done work the whole freaking week, you know. I was gimping, if you would notice, in the match with uh, um, there's a couple other matches. I worked a single match with one of the State Patrol. You'll notice yeah. I limp a little bit. Yeah, James Earl Ray. And then, yep. Yep, you'll notice I limp. And then uh, what was his name? He was Mr. Um, I see that, or so, Yeah, you wrestled big, uh, Tim Powerhouse Parker. That's him. Point. That's him, yep. Tim Parker. Yep. You'll notice yep. I gimp a little bit there. Yep. Uh, that was uh, – after the, uh, you know, the bad knee deal there. But that put me out there because I was out for quite a while. So I was uh, contemplating just, you know, hanging it up, moving on. I was in my early 
our late 20s probably then, maybe early 30, hell, I don't know. But Thumper called me, Frankie Thumper called me. He said, hey, want to go to Puerto Rico? I said, not really. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm, 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 I'm really just, you know, ready to kind of hang this up and get back to real life. He said, no. He said, look, I done talked to Carlos. He said, he'll put us together as a team. Let's go. So a couple of days there, he convinced me to go. We came up with the name, you know, the Heartbreakers. He was Adonis and I was Apollo. And he brought us in. I said, well, the only way that I'll go is a guarantee, not going on hearsay. So Carlos put us on a guarantee. And he brought us in. And uh, guess who the first person we worked with? Oh, let's see here. Jose Gonzalez. Yeah. How, yeah have Remember that, that here. name? Yep. And Miguel Perez Jr. Yep. You guys wrestled them in, uh, in Puerto Rico. Yes, sir. Yeah, you remember that name? Yeah, I do. I was nervous I as shit, man. But I do, <laughs> dude. He and I hit it off really well. I mean, he took to me like seriously. He bragged on me every freaking night, man. And uh, anyway, we had a good run over there. Um, but I hate to say it because he's gone now. I don't like talk about deceased people, but Nick Murdoch came in to take the book, and I just did not care for him at all you know what i mean his yeah. ways and the shit that he did so i told in, frankie then inside you know, the business or outside the business like his personal life either or okay i, I just you know i just I heard some weird stories about him uh outside yeah the, uh, in his practices outside the business and that's not yeah something yeah, that I did, I, yeah 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 he and i just did not see eye to eye at all period, inside or outside. Right. You know, he wanted us to go out and get drunk with him every night and, you know, just be rowdy and stupid and dumb and, you know, and you could never please him when you were working, no matter how hard you freaking work. You know, none of those buildings over there had air conditioning. It was 140 freaking degrees, you know, and you're working your ass on those hard-ass freaking rings over there and some of the guys you had couldn't speak or understand english at all right so you're hoping that you don't get hurt you know what i mean and they understand what you're doing and things were limited when you were working with those guys but um they did put us with uh, uh ricky santana and rex king we did have a good little program with them uh, but anyway, I done had me a belly full of it. Murdoch came in there and he pissed me off one night because, you know, you don't have a vehicle over there. You're depending on the guys or fans or whoever to get you to and from. Right. Every night it was a hassle. Who was going to pick you up? What time were they going to be there? You know what I mean? So you could make the matches on time and whatever. But he made a comment one night about us we had gotten in an automobile wreck on the way there. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, we had a guy there, a local, his name was rich. He was a big fan. And he did, he did some stuff with the magazine, sending pictures to Bill Apter and the other people. And he'd write little columns and whatever, but he was a big fan. He was driving us to a town one night. I was sitting in the front seat, a little Honda car, a little civic. Frankie was behind me and we were coming up to an intersection 
probably running 50, 55, maybe 60. I don't know. No seat belts on. And this car pulled out in front of us, a big Pontiac. Looked like a land yacht. And I seen it coming, man. There was no stopping. Man, I said, oh, my God, stop, stop, stop. He hit the brakes, man. That car turned in front of us. And I can still see the face of the lady right now who was sitting in the passenger side because that's the side we hit. And her husband, of course, was driving. It threw me through the front windshield because Frankie hit my seat. You know, he was sitting behind me in the back seat. He hit my seat, pushed me through the windshield, and took a big gash out of my head and my arm. Um, neither one of those guys were hurt, seriously. So, anyway, after it's all the smoking shit, we finally beat our way out of the car and get up, and we're standing on the street corner. By this time, there's people from everywhere gathering around. And uh, blood is just freaking pouring. And I'm thinking, where in the hell? I knew I had it coming out of my head, and I had a towel on my head, but I didn't have no idea that my whole elbow was pretty much exposed. So finally, Frankie looked, and he said, oh, my God, man. So he get another towel, wraps my arm up, and we're standing here on the street corner. People gathering around to see everything. Amlet finally shows up. When they get there, they pull off to the side. Nobody comes to check me or the other people. And then another ambulance pulls up, and they take a body out of one ambulance and put it in another ambulance. Yeah, a body, a covered up with a sheet over body. Jeez. And I'm, I'm standing here thinking, dude, I'm going to bleed to death before I get some help. Right. Finally, the third ambulance shows up. They finally get me over there. They get me, you know, what do you call that, pre or whatever. And uh, uh, by this time, I think the guy's name was Richie, had called somebody to come and get him. But Frankie got in the ambulance with me, and they took me to the hospital. Got me there, and anyway, he got me took care of, and my head sewed up, my arm sewed up. and I don't even remember who picked us up at the hospital, but somebody picked us up and took us to the matches. We were an hour late. Murdoch says, where in the hell y'all been? What the hell you mean, where the hell we been? Been in a damn wreck. You know, we didn't have cell phones and shit back then, you know? Right. Here's the freaking proof. You know, my arm's all bandaged up. My head's bandaged up. He said, I need y'all to give me about 20 tonight. I said, well, I'm not getting in the freaking ring. I can promise you that. Oh, no, he said. I said, no. Hell no. Probably not for the rest of the week until I get these stitches taken care of. Yeah, you get them damn nasty rings with staff and all that shit. And right, right, Infections yeah. and, you know, all that bullshit. So, anyway, that kind of set the tone right there, so. It wasn't but a couple of weeks after that. I said, you know, I'm, nah, I'm done with this, Frankie. You can stay if you want to stay, but I'm done. Anyway, that and was I kind of it. I saw that you guys uh, shortly after, probably within a few months, you guys uh, ended up doing a working uh, WWF Wrestling Challenge match against the Bushwhackers. Yes, that was our opportunity. Kurt Henning got us the opportunity to go to work for Vince. Right. 
but um, we worked with the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch. Yeah. How did that, that, and you guys didn't get picked up or? No, we did, but I didn't want to stay. And Frankie, he, he weren't going to stay if I didn't stay. You know right. what I mean? And I hate to say that, but he, he, he would have been left out. In the, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I well, told him I, I just, I, that, I, I seen the writing on the wall. Right. You know what I mean? Where we were going to be. Right. You know, we were going to be in enhancement forever. How long he decided it could have been a month. It could have been six months. It could have been the rest of our career. Right. And by that time he was turning out the big monsters, you know, out of his school and, you know, right. uh, I tell you what, the very first night there, we walk in the dressing room, Gorilla Monsoon's in there. We knew a couple of the other people in there. Gorilla walks in and I introduce myself and I say, uh, I am Wendell Cooley uh, and this is Frankie Lancaster. We're the heartbreaker. She said, not tonight, you're not. It's kind of like that, you know, not tonight, you're not. I said, really? Okay. So I've, we I've couldn't heard, wear our... I've heard stuff like that happening before. Like that, you know, like, We you couldn't know. wear anything that we had brought. You know what I mean? We had right. to go out there just bare Wendell Cooley, Frankie Lancaster, no Wildcat, no nothing. You know what I mean? Right. I thought right then, and I told Frankie when we got through, you know, we were driving. This was in Nashville, I believe. We were driving back to Huntsville where I was staying at the time, which is about an hour and a half. I said, this ain't for me, man. I, I, I'm not interested in this. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in it. So, But I feel like I would have had an opportunity. They probably would have split us up. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, just me thinking. But, nah. Yeah, they, did it was, I, I, they did it with so many people there. You know what I mean? Like so did. many people that yeah. went up there. They were Sean just, and Marty. Yep. They broke the rockers up. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but no, I didn't want to go through all that again, man. You know, I done put my time in and, you know, done, you know, work my ass off to get where I was get get the name that I had. But, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't have used me. I'm sure they would at some point, but I just weren't willing to, you know what I mean? Travel all over the freaking country and the world. You know, they were doing England, Germany, and every freaking where, you know? Right, right. Uh, but no, I just, at that point, that's when I decided I'd done had enough of it. There was nowhere else to go. I didn't want to go back to Puerto Rico. So I got out of business in 96. Okay. Got me a job with the government. Been there ever since. I've seen after uh, after that, you've done some sporadic matches here and there, probably reunions or, or, or stuff yeah, like conventions. Reunion shows were the, yeah, the reunion shows were the main thing, but I would get calls occasionally to go here, go there, and my first thing would be, can you afford it? Right. I give them my number. This is my price. Can you afford it? If you right. can't afford it, it don't hurt my feelings. Tell me now. Right. But if I show up, I'm going to expect that amount of money before I get in the ring. Right. I'm not being an ass, but it is. No, what it you, is. you put your time in and, you know, I feel like you're well known enough and, you know, in exactly. Order to and, and, and a lot of these 
independent shows have some guys that really are true good guys, really want to learn. Right. They're never going to make it. Right. But they really want to know. They really try hard. You know what I mean? Right. They ask you for advice and they take your advice. But then there's others that are weekend warriors. You can't tell them nothing. They already know everything. Yes. And all they care about is the glory. They don't care if they're only getting $10 or $20 for the night, if anything. You know what I mean? They just want to yeah. be the star. And those are the guys right there that um, I would tell these people, I'm not working with those guys. If you don't right. have anybody that is willing to listen, you know what I mean? I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to hurt them. You know, let's go earn our money, give the people a good show and go home. So, you know, always got their, you know, supposedly their best hand, whether he was their top guy or not, but the best, you know, willing and able kind of guy. Right. Right. And I still get phone calls. Matter of fact, yeah. just before you text me this, I had another guy hit me with a, a link. He wants me to do a talk show on August 1st. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? So, um, I took a big hiatus from this business from 96. Whew, man, I don't have been 10, 12 years. I didn't do anything associated with wrestling, period. You know what I mean? Because I knew if I did, if I didn't t totally cut it off, I would continue chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. And I would end up screwing up any opportunity to really get some kind of steady security retirement or, you know, anything, right. any kind of benefits or anything. I would have kept chasing wrestling like some of the guys are still doing today right. in their sixties. You know what I mean? Traveling all over the freaking country for a hundred, 200, $300. You know what I mean? No, right. uh, yeah. no, it's not, I, uh, it's not consistent enough in the independent world. It's, you know, it's just not. like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's not like, you know, and back you in the day, the territories hundreds and, hundreds, were, and hundreds of miles yeah. to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Half I've the money's going to go I've into got, gas and food. <laughs> I've got to call three or four times to make that gathering appearance. Right. But the money's not worth it to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously. I mean, what they're offering, they want to pay you this, but they want you to get in the ring too. No. Yeah. Sorry. They expect you, know you to make mean? most of your money from the picture sales and stuff and autographs. Yeah. 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 So no, I, no, I, I'm anyway, I, uh, I don't regret anything. I really don't. I had a great time doing it. Um, and the biggest reason I've done what I did in the last few years is because my youngest daughter who just turned 19 a couple of days ago, she weren't around back in the day. And then when she got old enough to see the videos and, you know, my dad, this, my dad, that kind of thing, she really just, you know, fell in love with it. And uh, I took her to a, a show. She was hooked. You know what yeah. I mean? So every time somebody called me, dad, you going, you going, you going, dad? Because she wanted to be in there and be a part of it and see it happen. You know what I mean? So, right. uh that's why I've done what I've done in the last few years, but 
you know, I had a great career. I really did, man. I mean, I was blessed way beyond what I deserved. Had no idea how it all clicked as well as it clicked, as soon as it clicked, you know. Um, I made a lot of good choices. I made a lot of bad choices. Made a lot of good friends and made some enemies along the way. But I did what I had to do for me and my family, you know. Um, and all I do now is, uh, like I say, I still work with the government. I'm retired once. I've got two more years to get my second retirement. And uh, I play golf and I fish competitive bass tournaments. Nice. <laughs> nice. You know, other than work, but that's what I do. Nice. That's what I do. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would make a show or an appearance. Matter of fact, here, I'm going to lay this out there right now because it yeah. may happen. It may happen. I'm in the process right now because our main guy that was doing these um, um, reunion shows right. is on a – he's in bad shape. He's waiting on a kidney. Hopefully he gets it before he, it's too late. Uh, we didn't have one this year, but I'm in the process right now, and hopefully I'll know something in the next couple months. We're going to try to put a Hall of Fame – or southeastern slash continental in Dothan, Alabama. Wow. Because we're never going to get picked up by Vince. You know what I mean? You we gotta, didn't work for yeah. him enough. Yeah. I mean, there's very few that went in there that never worked for him, but you got to be a mega star, a mega TV star in order to go into his. And uh, have all of that freaking cable exposure. We didn't have cable exposure. We had TV, but we didn't have right. cable. Right. I still but go however, back. I still go back and watch those videos. You know, there's a couple different networks that stream the Continental yes. stuff, uh, like uh, Rock right. Parsons Network streams a lot of yes. that stuff. You know, but if you think about it, and you 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 judge apples to apples and oranges to oranges, what Hulk Hogan was to WWF before they went nationwide, Wildcat Wendell Cooley was for Continental. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I was their guy. Yeah. Okay. For the fans and for the promotion, you know what I mean? Put people in seats. Um, just like uh Ric Flair was for WCW, you know what I mean? Um, before they went world freaking wide. Um, we didn't get that exposure because the smaller promotions couldn't compete with you know money. Yeah, you know what I mean? Can I and ask you about I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just want to ask you a question before. But I... when 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 the other two promotion has got eighty percent of all yes. of the big superstars from right. all of the territories on their roster, you can't compete with that because you can't offer them more money to bring them to you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it put a hurt on everybody. I ask you about working with Flair. I, I uh, caught a video. I caught a video a couple weeks uh, when I was getting ready for this. I caught a video of you guys working together. Yeah, uh, we worked together TV. two or three times. Yeah, um, two or three times. But the first time I ever worked with him was when I was in Mid South. That's what I see. Yeah, they brought him in for work. They brought him in to work with Butch Reed or Jake or DiBiase or or or. or uh, um, Duggan or somebody, I don't remember who they brought him in to work right. for, but I had to work with him on TV. Mm -hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I saw that. Yep. Yeah. So 
um, it was more of an enhancement type. I, I could have had a little more liberty, I guess. Yeah. You know, well, in the match, he was he was that kind of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever you took, he didn't have a problem with it, but he weren't going to offer it if you didn't take it. You know what I mean? Uh, but really, I like this style because he's really aggressive, and you know what I mean. Um, he loved to really work hard and lengthy. Um, the next time I worked for him, when he came in, Ron and him brought him in to work for me, and I'm the top dog now in our territory. You know what I mean? So things were a whole lot different than they were when I worked with him for uh, Bill Watts. But, yeah, I had no problem at all. Matter of fact, we went out several times and, you know, had some drinks together and stuff. And yeah, he was, it was cool. I tell you what, though, but I worked with four world champions. Rick Flair. Yep. Okay. Nick Mockwinkle, Harley Race. I see that. Yep. And Jerry Lawler. And Jerry and Jerry Lawler. Lawler. Yeah. Yeah. Now the styles were totally different. Uh -huh. A lot of people didn't like him. Jerry Lawler. Yeah. But dude, he, he was dude. Yeah. That son of a bitch knew he could work. I'm just straight up. Okay. He knew the business inside and out. I encountered Lawler many times. He comes up here and works shows in the Northeast independent scene sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and I've been a fan of his since I was a kid. And he can be an ass. Okay? He's he be an always ass. been very pleasant with me every time I've met him. Every time. But I'm going to tell you yeah. what, that son of a bitch could work. Okay. Yeah. Now, Flair, on the other hand, with Flair, he could work, but Flair. 360 days a week, he's going to do the same exact things every single night. Right. You know what I mean? Bam, 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 bam. Right. You never knew what you were going to get with Lawler. You know what I mean? Yep. It wasn't like a set thing. You know, Flair do his thing off the top. Flair do his thing flipping over the turnbuckle. Flair do his thing with the goofy walk in the face plant. You know, it was going to be every single freaking night. You know what I mean? And chop, 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 chop. Right. Harley Harley Race, I worked with him in his hometown in St. Louis. Of course, I put him over, you know, when I was with WCW. And it wasn't a, a hard put over. It was just, you know, slipped him over because that's home for him. Uh, but, man, what a total different guy that was. Too. And he's all from the left side. Right. You know, I mean, he's all left-handed, which is kind of different. But he came to me that night, and he said, Kid, is anything special that you want to do? I said, no, this is your night. This is your home. He said, hey, man, this is for both of us. Get yours in, too. I said, no, we're just whatever you want to do when we get in the ring there, boss. I'm all ears. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going to get paid the same, okay? At this point, I didn't have a – a solid position yet. So I didn't really care. I just wanted to let them know that I'm business. You know what I mean? I can work and I don't have a problem. If things are done in the correct way, I don't have a problem putting somebody over. I mean, it's just going to put money in my pocket. You know right. what I mean? Yes, sir. 
And then, like I say, Mick Bockwinkle, I worked with him the one time, 45 minutes, we work a hammerlock. That's, That's amazing. It. A couple a couple high spots out of that. Tore the yeah. house down. In my town, you know what I mean, where I'm from, in my territory. It was unreal, man. But I really – uh, those are probably the four high spots in my whole freaking deal of anything I've ever done. I got to work with four actual – I don't care if you call the business a work or whatever you call it, but they were the top dogs in their day. You They're four I mean? of the biggest stars in the history of professional wrestling. And I worked with all four of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, fortunate enough to be that guy, yep. you know, uh, but I got to experience things that some guys spent 20 years in the business prior to me and never got that. Right. Right. You know what I mean? I got it early. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's because of my hard work ethic. Um, you know, I, I don't know professionalism. What happened? But you know, yeah. As uh, did you ever work with um Kevin the Truth Casey at all? Do you remember him yeah. at all? The name is very familiar. I've probably been, yeah, in a same on a same card with him, but yeah. I don't ever recall working with him. All right, because I see, I saw that you were managed by him somewhere, and he he managed in South mm, mm, mm. South Atlantic. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, yeah, yeah. now I know where you're at in okay. Puerto Rico. Okay, yeah, he he, he tripped yeah. down there. Yeah, I think he went down there through the Savoldis, if I'm not mistaken. He went. To, he came in to be mine and Frankie's manager. Right. Right before I left. Yes. Okay. Now I know who you're talking about. Yes. Right. Yes. And uh, if you'll watch the match with uh frankie and i with uh ricky and rex in the uh the uh street fight it's in i don't remember what town it was in but where we hang ricky with the chain and beat him and all that bullshit right, right. if you'll watch that you'll see me snatch that freaking cane out of his hand because it was just so freaking <sighs> it was horrible okay yeah he used Almost a, an expose uh, kind a, of deal. He used a golf club. Golf club, that's what yep. it was. Not yep. a cane, a golf club. Yeah, I snatched yep. that out of his hand and then started using it myself. Because, yeah, now, yes, okay. Now I know yep. who you're talking about. Now, he's been on this yep. show before, and he, I As thought he, that he, uh, he was a pretty interesting guy. He had a pretty interesting career, though, you know, I thought. Yeah, that, I only met him there. Yeah. And like I say. He was only our manager for a month or two before I left. He got there right at the tail end before we had the automobile accident and I left and, right. you know, all that shit. But, yeah. Uh, was there anything uh, – uh, did you – is there anything else you wanted to throw out there tonight? Um. I, well, yeah, i tell you what. Let me do this. I got sure. a friend right now. I got a friend right now that's suffering with colon cancer. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, and he's in his second month of chemo. He was stage three. They took two foot of his colon out. I grew up with him as a kid, him and his brothers and sisters. We were more like brothers than um, friends. But every Saturday night on Facebook – Okay, he's called Lil Will. Lil Will. He does it. Lil Will. He does a live Facebook karaoke. Okay, and I come, 
I'm not going to be there this weekend because my son and I was playing in a golf tournament. But every Saturday night in the 6 to 6.30 time frame, Facebook Live, Lil Will, and he does it in, in hopes of getting, I don't know what you get. You get little gifts and stars and things like that. You know what I mean? Right. To kind of help him do it. This is his first love, man. You know what I mean? So, well, he invited it, me over to do it. And um, I go over there. We just had one this past Saturday. You might be able to pull it up on Facebook Live. But I had a band back when I first got out of this business. Oh, really? A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I never knew that. It was called Wendell Cooley and the Nothing Special Band. You can probably Google it up or get on Wikipedia or something. I've seen it a couple times where they mentioned it. But, yeah, we played for three or four years because when I first got out of the business, you know, I was missing that little thing in my life, you know, where, you know, you're you're out in front of people doing something, you right. know. Yeah. So um, I had some friends of mine here from my hometown that had a little band together. And they asked me to join it and be the front guy because I had, you know, some experience in front of people and on TV cameras and all. But And I could sing a little bit. So, uh, yeah, we hung around for three, four years and uh, had a great time with that. And then when I started working with the government, man, I, I, I just couldn't do those three and four nights a week play until two o'clock in the morning and then getting up at five and going to work. And, right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, anyhow, but yes, every Saturday night between six, six thirty time frame, little will Facebook live karaoke. What I'm, I'm going to do is I'm going to look for that, that, that Facebook account and I'm going to put the link in the uh, description of this episode, I want everybody to go click that and watch that uh, every Saturday yeah. night. Listen to what when yeah, you're the man because I was on I was on there singing this past weekend. I had six or seven songs that I did on there this weekend. Oh yeah, so I'm gonna yeah. that. I want to check this out. I'll be home yeah, this it, weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. It really is, and it's fun, and and it helps him out. You know, when he yeah. can get little donations and things like that because he's going through some rough times you know, financially because he can't work and, uh, right. You know, he's dealing with this cancer. Matter of fact, he, tomorrow he gets another chemo tomorrow. So y'all just keep him in your prayers, man. But yeah, that's what I do, man. I just, you know, hang out and do things like that and play golf. And, you know, he was my fishing buddy till he got, got this. And now he can't, you know what I mean? He's, he, he don't have his colon anymore. So he has the bag now colostomy bag right and he, yeah. he'll have that until it's all said and done hopefully they felt like they got it all when they did the surgery right okay yeah but but it had already gotten in a couple of his lymph nodes that's why they're doing the chemo so he could go cancer free for 10 more years it, it may not last a year you don't know you know what right. i mean when it when it happens like that so we're just trying to make the best of things, man. And I know he loves it. And that's the way we uh, share our time together. And it's just a bunch of us get together every Saturday night, whether it's raining or not, between 6 and 6.30. We try to start at 6, but sometimes we don't get really 
lit off till 6.30, so it's not a dead set time, but just look for Lil Will Facebook Live. And you pull it up right now. We just finished up Saturday. I watched a little bit of it last night. Um, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I, I get out of here, as soon as I get out of here, we're going to, uh, I'm going to look Yeah, you can up, see so. me do something other than talk wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. One or another. Now, I hadn't made a, a golfing video yet, but, um, you know, you can see me yeah. saying anyway. But, All right. Yeah. I want to know, Wildcat Wendigooly, I want to say thank you for joining me here tonight. I had a blast talking to you and listening to these stories tonight. So I want to thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me, man. Thank you. And, uh, we'll do it again. But absolutely. I'd love send to. You, I'm going to send you Frankie the Thumper's info. Yes. As soon as we get off of here, I'm going to send it to your messenger because that's how you contacted me. Yep. That way you can contact him, let him know that I told you so he'll respond back that I was on your show and he'll call me maybe and ask me and I'll tell him, yeah, but Happens I'd like to see you get him on there, man. It, it, it'll freaking blow his mind. I'd love to. I'd love to. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.